Welcome to the Love University on the campus of Triad Christian Center with your host and instructor, Pastor Joshua Lockett. Today, we kick off our new series of Real Love, How to Love in a Real Way. Let's tune in to our class that is already in session. Father, I pray even this morning that you are moving across this room. You're moving, Father, on the camera, through the camcorder, to those who are watching, Lord. I pray even now that everyone in their homes or in this house, Father, they're being healed, they're being delivered, they're being set free. That Holy Spirit, you are having your way. Yes, Lord, you're having your way. You're having your way. <laughs> Father, I pray your kingdom is coming, that your will is being done on the earth, Father, like it is in heaven, Lord. Bless and strengthen heal and comfort this morning. Lord, I pray that you are breaking down the walls that have hurt our relationships, that have destroyed our families, Father. I pray even now for power and prosperity to every relationship today, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray you're releasing the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, Lord. And I pray the eyes of the heart be flooded with light in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everybody say amen and say, I have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us wherever you're watching from. And I want to encourage you all just to stay tuned as we're going to get into the uh, further into this series on the Real Love series. Let's jump right into the word. Amen. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is a really big chapter of the Bible for um, love, defining love. And for those of you that are watching for the first time, if you're in here for the first time on today, we've been going through a whole series on love. This year, matter of fact, we're in, we're in, we're at a love university, so we're actually at a university right now. You're tuning into a virtual school, amen. And so, and if you're here in person, you're in a live school, amen. But it, it, any anyways, we have been going through teaching about love, and the first month of the year we talked about why love, and the second month of the year we talked about what is love, and the third month of the year we're continuing talking about what is love. What does it mean? Amen. Because we can use the term a lot, but the question is, what does it mean? Because what you cannot define, you cannot determine. And so how do I know I'm in love and I'm truly walking in love if I don't have a definition of it? So we've been trying throughout the scriptures to define what real love is. This past Tuesday night and even past Sunday, we talked about a pretty um, strong uh, message on rebuking and correcting in love. And tough talks. That's what we called it. And sometimes we have to have tough conversations in love. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, speak the truth in love. So if we walk in love, we will speak the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. And so in doing that, I believe that um, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the message from Tuesday night. I know it's not a message that will make us shout and rejoice, but I believe it's going to bring a lot of fruit. And the Bible says God disciplines those whom he loves, and which means it causes pain. And I believe sometimes that pain is what brings the greatest fruit in our lives. And I don't know about you, but sometimes those conversations where you got half mad at the person and half glad, those are the conversations that you might have received the most fruit because they stepped in your life and they loved you enough to actually tell you, I'm going to say this, tell you about yourself. Can I get Amen. And sometimes we need for people to tell us about ourselves because we all may have blind spots that we can't see and we don't want to wreck. Amen. 
And so I believe God can use our every 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 joint to supply and to give us direction, to give us encouragement, to give us warnings. Amen. One of the signs that I believe that God has given up on a person, I know we sing God is not giving up on me and God loves us, but one of the signs that is coming to the end, let me say it like that. I'll just use those words for us spiritually and that really things are getting worse and worse in our heart. And, and maybe God is really not even showing as much mercy is when he stops correcting. When he stops correcting you, that is a sign that it's not good in the hood. Amen. Eli's sons were off into deception. And when you get off into deception and you're not disciplined, it can really move into a place of corruption. So listen, when God corrects us, that's love, man. That is love for him to step down and to correct us. So I want to encourage everyone that's watching today um, just to embrace the full message of love, not just part of it, because it's not just about, it's not just the Barney love. I love you. You love me. Let's something, something. I don't know what that dude was saying. But uh, part of it is true. Amen. You know, the enemy likes to give us a part, partial truth. He, he gives us enough truth to lie to us. And, and I think that we have to make sure that we just get a balanced perspective. So we're taking two months and we're defining love. We're going to have a strong foundation. Even if I have to repeat some things, we're going to repeat it. Amen. But we're going to go further understanding love. And that's all of us. Can I get an amen? All right. So let's go into, we got a couple points for you today on love. We're talking about loving on the low. Say loving on the low. That's what we're talking about today. And really, when we talk about loving on the low, we mean humility. I'm just going to get that out. We're talking about humility. Humility means to be lowly. And in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it talks about love. It defines love. Paul is defining it. And he says, uh, actually, let's go to verse 4, because it is actually in verse 4. Verse 4, uh, it says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And you should have your outlines coming out to you if they're not already out or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Let me jump back up to verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Say proud. Amen. We heard a little talk about some, some proud groups of people, a group of people last year. Amen. How many know pride comes before what? Fall. And one of the things that if you hear me any course of the year, I'm going to talk about pride at least one time. Probably every other month because I know as a leader, as a man, as a human being, pride is one of the sneakiest enemies out there. Amen. And if it gets in our, pride is what messed the devil up. It's what caused him to fall from heaven. So if pride could actually cause somebody to, to, to lose heaven when they were in heaven and everything was right, man, that is a dangerous enemy that we need to really take on head on. And Paul said love is not proud. Love is not proud. It is not prideful. And so with that being said, the opposite of that is that love means humility. For God so loved the world, he gave his son Jesus and when Jesus came, he humbled himself even into obedience to the cross. So humility is a manifestation of love. Come on, say that with me. Say humility is a manifestation of love. It's a manifestation of love. So when we talk about this today, I'm going to give you 
some points on what it means to love on the low. In other words, to be humble. So an easier way to say this is that humility is all of these points. Humility is connected to all these points. But we're going to say love because this is the series that we're in, love. So today as we talk, the first point I want to give you about that is that loving on the low, and if you got your outlines, uh, they're coming. By the way, I did send out the outline from Tuesday night, and so if you don't have that, go on and make sure you get that. That was sent out um, throughout our text alert or email, one of those. But loving means, loving on the low means that one is teachable. Go on and say teachable. All right. So when I'm humble, so that means I'm teachable. I, that means I'm open to learning. You know, somebody said you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And that ain't God. Amen. Because none of us in here are dogs. Amen. We're human beings. And we all have elements where we can always be learning constantly. As a pastor, I have to make sure that I don't get into a place where I become complacent because I might feel like I'm, I know more word than that person. That person was not about that. Josh, are you hitting your maximum potential in me? Because it's not about comparison, which is another point we're going to get into later on today. But number one, when we talk about loving on the low or walking in humility today, humility means that I'm teachable. That means that somebody can say something to me and that I will apply it. Amen. And I'll be honest, sometimes when we feel like we know everything, we won't listen to anything. Can I get amen? We don't, financially, people try to step in and help us. Nope, I already know that. Relationally, nope, I already know that too. Nobody can tell me anything about my marriage or my date in life. Amen. Even though you know it's on fire. Amen. Not with the Holy Ghost. But we, and, and all of us, relationships get on fire. It may be a parent-child relationship. It could be all type of relationships, but nope, I'm good on that. I know everything. And, and we all can come to a place where we literally become, and I want to say this, this is a strong word, but we become know-it-alls. But we don't need to be know-it-alls in this season. Come on. You know what I believe Corona taught us? We didn't know it all. We thought we were a superpower, but we saw that a superpower can still have 500,000 lives that are lost. I really believe that's part of why this thing was allowed to humble us. Can I get an amen? Snowing in places that people probably didn't think it was going to snow. I mean, all kind of things happen. I mean, this is our capital. How dare there be an insurrection in the United States of America? I'm proud to be an American. That's great. But all that pride can be crumbled in two seconds. And so, people of God, this is a time for us to truly humble ourselves because I believe that we really are not going to start loving until we walk in humility. The Bible talks about pride leads to conflict in the book of Proverbs. And so when we talk about this thing called humility, humility means that I'm teachable. It means that I can learn. Let's look at some scripture on that really quickly. It says in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 29, Nehemiah 9, verse 29, then the next scripture is going to be Exodus 32, Verse 12 through 13, so you're going to cue it up. Nehemiah 9, verse 29, it says, You warned them to return to your law, but they became proud and obstinate and disobeyed your commands. They did not follow 
your regulations by which people will find life if only they obey. They stubbornly turn their backs on you and refuse to listen. So they refuse to listen. So what we know that is that when we walk in pride, it's a good chance we're going to refuse to listen. Now, I'll tell you, one of the main things that they say, and I know they did say that hurt marriages, is communication. And if nobody's listening and everybody's ready to talk, that's not going to be good in the hood. Amen. Because 10 hours from that conversation, guess what? Everybody's still going to be giving their opinion and nobody heard anything. And I've had moments, I would say even myself, where I have argued with fierceness, with energy and passion and might have even thought I had the anointing on me while I was arguing and didn't listen a bit to what somebody was saying, probably. I was, I was off going the wrong direction. How many of you ever argued for two hours and, they, and the person had to stop me and say, I didn't even say that? And you said, oh. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of you had those old moments? Because <laughs> you're not listening. We're not listening. We're going off arguing for three hours just to find out that's not what they meant. But pride will shut down our ears. It, it will cause us to be in a place where we, we just know it all. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 32, verse 12. I want you to follow me. It says, why let the Egyptians, oh, let me give you context. God is hot. He's mad. Have you ever been mad? Don't look at me like that. Even on the, I know you've been angry. Amen. And God was angry. And, and by the way, I, I tried to convey to you that just because you're angry doesn't mean you no longer love someone. Because the Bible says God is slow to anger, but he's filled with love. So you can be angry and love somebody at the same time. Can I get an amen? Oh, you can. Yes, you can. You just can't let it control you. So that's problem. I have to teach on that. So Exodus 32, verse 12 tells us something. This is what it tells us. It says, why let the Egyptians say their God? Oh, let me give you other context. More, more context. They had just made golden calves. They were partying, dancing. Nothing wrong with partying if it's a Holy Ghost party. Can I get an amen? So they were dancing and having a good time. They made golden calf out of the blessing that God had just given them. Because the gold they had, they were slaves. They didn't have anything. The gold they had came from Egypt because God gave them favor with the Egyptians. And so in a sense, it was a picture of the wealth of the wicked being given to those who were God's people. So they have all this money that God has given them, gold. You know, the women got on, uh, what's the nice jewelry place? Jared's. Somebody said Jared's. Y'all laughing. Let's just say Jared. They get, they, everybody went to Jared's, and God blessed them. You hear all these women walking. All you hear is just ring, ding, ling, ding, ling, ding, ling, ling. And they got all this jewelry on. Amen. And they take the jewelry off. Some of them take the jewelry off to go, and they throw it to Aaron, and Aaron puts it in and develops a golden calf, which is an idol. There should be no other idols before God, right? So God hears about this. He's sitting there talking to Moses, and, and Moses, they having a conversation. And he's like, yo, they, they going off down there. And it's amazing the things we will do. We say if we just saw God, we would never go back to some stuff. The God was literally on top of the mountain. They saw a, literally a manifestation of God, and they still mess, messing up. Can I get an amen? So they're up there, and God says, you know what? I'm, I'm about to go. I'm Moses. Moses. And God is getting angry, which rightfully so. And so he starts talking to Moses, and Moses comes back and tells him this, because this is what I think a great intercessor does. He says, why let the Egyptians say? 
Their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth. Turn, now, now, this is one of those scriptures that when you read them, will have you thinking for the rest of your life about why did he say that? How did he have the audacity to say this to God? But look at what he says. He tells God, turn away from your fierce anger. He says, change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. When is the last, last time you told God to change his mind? That's a powerful somebody and a bold somebody to tell God to change his mind. But I want you to see what happens after this happens. So he tells, he says, God, he says, change your mind. He says, what you think of right now is just not right. And look at what happens in verse 13. Look what happens. It says, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's bringing God's word before him. So he's not just telling God off. He's bringing his word before him. And he says, you bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of, the, stars of heaven. You think God already knew this? He already knew it. But look at what look at And I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord did what? He changed his mind. Now, was he angry? Yeah, but he changed his mind. And I believe when you're really loving people, you remain flexible enough to change your mind and to hear another side of the story. So if God could stop and change directions, come on now, then we should be able to stop and change directions. Can I get amen? If God is open to what somebody is suggesting, we should be open to other suggestions, as long as it's in the will of God. And Moses connected it back to his word, so we know his word is his will. So if God is open to a suggestion, how much more should we be? And some of us maybe have put our head in the sand figuratively, and we say, you know what, we're not going to listen to anybody. Nobody can tell us anything ever in our life. We know everything there is to know. And God is sitting there changing the direction of his mind because of a suggestion. And how many suggestions do we cut off every day? Enjoying our podcast? Well, we invite you to join us live Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Tune in on Facebook or YouTube by searching Triad Christian Center or visit our website, www.triadchristiancenter.org. Say pride. Y'all heard the story. Uh, talking to one of the elders of the night, talking about the story about the man, and you know the man, it was like a flood going on or something like that. And the story is told that the man, all these people kept coming saying, I want to save you, I want to save you. The man kept saying, no, I don't need it. And he said, God, what happened? He said, I sent all this to you, but you didn't take it. He shut down all those suggestions and ended up dying. Why? Because he wasn't willing to receive the suggestions people were giving him. How many of us die physically, sometimes spiritually, socially, because we are not open enough to receive a word from someone else? Say teachable. So our relationships are going to thrive, I believe, when we become teachable. Now, by the grace of God, when I jump over 
the broom or whatever they call it now, and I move into another status of my life where I'm a married man, as much Holy Ghost as I think I have, I still need to open up to suggestions from my spouse. Can I get an amen from the married couples? And I believe my spouse can teach me some things. Matter of fact, I believe my children are going to be able to teach me some things. Some of y'all don't have a clue about what TikTok is. That's why you need to tell, you need to go ask your grandchildren right now. I ain't that, I ain't that old. Okay. Children about TikTok. Amen. You know what I mean? Talking tick. What are you talking about, Pastor? Y'all need help. Amen. So teachable. We have to remain teachable. We got to stay teachable. That's why even now it's, it's amazing because I bet you my generation, they say what, and I'm not saying, I mean, I know people love the millennials, but people can talk about the millennials all they want to. But I believe the millennials, not millennials, millennials have helped us out in the time of this pandemic because some people didn't even know how to get on the computer and work the system. But it's us millennials. Amen. That's pride. Let me stop. Amen. Come on now. You need every generation. Amen. And you need what they have to offer you. And by the way, we need to listen to those who've gone before us too. Amen. Say teachable. All right. When we're humble, I believe we are teachable. We are teachable. Um, I believe the other thing that we need to know about love, when we really love, say really love. When we're loving on the low, we need to make sure loving on the low means I do not overwhelm you or I do not overburden you. That's key. Because I believe Jesus is talking in Matthew 11, verse 28. I'm going to show you what he says. He says, then Jesus says, come to me, all ye, or all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give rest, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you because I am humble. Because I am what? Humble. Because I am What? Now, if I wanted to put another point, not only does humility mean you're teachable, but humility also means you're willing to teach. Because when we really love people, I believe we're willing to teach them. That means we're going to have to take time and be patient with them. Amen. You know, a lot, a lot of times, I believe in relationships, we feel like people should know better, and sometimes they just don't know. They just don't know. We, we, we feel like people should know better about, you know, even if your job, if you're in a supervisor position, you feel like people should come in and just know some things. And you said back in my day, we used to know how to write real well. Now I'm like, they don't know any type of grammar coming in this next generation. Now. Well, they need to be taught. Amen. And not be talked about. Amen. They, they, we we, we got we to keep that teaching element, but that would be another point. That's just a free point. That's how preachers say they say it's a free point, like it's, like it's something special. Amen. It says, but look at this. It says, look at, he says, come to me. He says, he says, take my yoke upon you. He says, let me teach you because why am I going to teach you? Because I am humble and gentle. And a lot of people are getting told what to do sometimes, some, in some cases, but they're not being taught how to do. They're, they're being told you need to live for God, but can you teach me how to live for God? They're being told you need to be a better wife, but can you teach me how to be a better wife? They're being told you need to be a better husband, but can you teach me, come on now, how to be a better husband? They're told you need to be a better father. You're just a, you're just a knucklehead. You, and they're not being taught how to be a better 
Father. These citizens, of the, I don't know what's going on. What are you teaching them or are you just telling them? You're just commanding them or are you teaching them? So, 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 so Jesus says, I'm humble, man, and I'm, I'm, I want to let me teach you. He says, because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now, what's the context of this scripture? When he's talking about burdens, I don't believe he's talking about necessarily just worries and cares. He's talking about the teaching of that day. There were a lot of religious people that were overwhelming people of all of these traditions and rules and regulations that they had to carry on their back. And they, I mean, it was so many rules that I would venture to say, Jesus says, you sidestep the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. They were full of tradition, and I would even argue they were moving away from the Word of God so much they were burdening people with extra stuff. How many like to hear extra stuff? Nobody likes extra stuff unless it's extra money. Can I get an amen? But when people are just giving you extra rules and you say, why are you making it more difficult than what it has to be? Can I get amen? That's what they were doing in their teaching. And Jesus says, my yoke or teaching is easy. My burden is light. I'm not going to overwhelm you. I'm not going to overburden you. I'm not going to put more on you than what you can bear. But that's what religion and pride will do. It will overwhelm you. It'll tell you, okay, can I make it practical? Y'all want to make it practical? All right, I got one person to say, amen, I'm going to do it. Practical is, back in the day, no shade to anybody who still does it, Back in the day, some people might used to tell people, you got to wear a jean skirt all the way out to the street of Barrel Road. Tell you, that's an extra burden. Because how many know you can wear a jean skirt all the way out to Barrel Road and still not be sanctified? Can I get an amen? Glory to God. Some other people might say, here goes another burden. Some people might say, you, got, you, can, you can never wear red lipstick again because when you wear red lipstick, you know what that means. <laughs> And don't dare wear makeup. Amen. That's an extra burden. Glory to God. <laughs> now, my grandma, and I love her. My grandma didn't wear a lot of makeup and hard to probably catch her in a pair of pants. That was what her conviction was. But we have to make sure we're not taking our convictions and putting them on other people. Can I get an amen? So real love says, you know, when we're walking in humility, it says, I'm not going to put anything on you more than God is calling me to put on you. I'm not going to require and put a requirement out there that is not a godly requirement. I'm not going to take my opinion. And I believe it can be, it can be in marriages where, where different spouses are demanding things from their spouse that's not even a godly demand. Can I get an amen? There are things they're requiring of their spouse to do that is not, there are things they're requiring of their child to do that's not even godly. They want their child to do this and do that, and they're in 10 different sports, and they, they I mean, they, they're sleepy, they're stressed out, they're overwhelmed because you never tell them they do a good job, and you keep throwing more and more rules on them, and you can't do this and do it, and they wake up, and then they start getting suicidal maybe, and you wonder why, because they're carrying a burden that, can I argue, God never gave them. How many children feel like they're rejected by their own parents? They're very successful in the world's eyes, but in their heart, they don't feel like they're being accepted by their own parents. Because there's so many burdens that we put on our own people. I believe pride will make you a dictator. And it will cause you to just burden people, burden people, burden people, burden people. More and more burdens, more and more rules, more and more. But when Jesus says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden. I will give you, I'll give you rest. 
When you're around a humble person, I believe one of the signs, like we were talking about this past week about love relieves your soul, is that you're going to be refreshed. You're going to be refreshed. Say amen. So number one, love means I'm teachable. Number two, love means I do not overburden people or overwhelm people. Amen. And so the last point that I want to get, love means, the last point, love means I lose confidence. There's a typo there. Forgive me for for that. But love means I lose confidence in my own righteousness. Now, this is a big one. This is a big one. Can I argue that a good amount of our arguments stem and root themselves from feeling like we're self-righteous? From feeling like we're righteous in our own power? Because when you feel like you're righteous, sometimes it causes all of us to become arrogant. Say amen. And the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. So let me go into the scripture and just show you what I'm talking about. Look at what it says. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I want to go here because this is a really unique scripture that I believe talks about self-righteousness, and it connects it to pride. I'm going to show you what it means because that's what we're saying. Love is not proud. That's what we're talking about. Luke chapter 18. Verse 9, it says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence, say great confidence, in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Because that's what you do. When you have great confidence in your own righteousness, you're going to talk about everybody else. Say amen. Some people, if they couldn't talk about other people, they wouldn't have anything else to say. Somebody said, can you talk about yourself? Uh, um, uh, um, uh, um. I mean, how many know people right now? You ain't going to call them names. Somebody already raised their hand. God help them. But you can hear them all the way down the hall at your job. And guess what they're talking about? Somebody else. They go an hour long, breathing out loud, huffing and puffing, talking about somebody else. And you know in your mind, you, you try to stay humble, but you got about five things you can say about them. Y'all not talking real to me. But they always have something to say about, they got a list. They got a list for every day of the year of something that somebody else didn't do. And you know what you can argue? People can always find their way to them. And they just talk, they just listen to them. They listen to them slander other people for the whole day. It's like, <laughs> did, did you did you get anything done today at, at work? <laughs> you know, and that's why it's important for me as a leader sometimes to talk about myself. Amen. Because y'all need to see that I can admit some stuff in my own life. Amen. Hopefully, I don't present a picture that there's nothing ever wrong with Joshua. Amen. I'm pastor. Yeah, and I can have issues too. And God can help me through them. But, we, but pride will cause you just to scorn other people. Look at everybody else's mess. Look at everybody else's marriage. And their whole, their whole their, I mean, nowadays with YouTube and Facebook and so many platforms where everybody can have a voice, nothing wrong with it, but just sometimes... If you submit to that, the Bible says don't sit in the wrong seat. Amen. Don't be under the wrong counsel. 
And there, there are some programs now, one of their basic goals is just to expose ministries, just ministries. That's most of what they talk about. Scandal. How dare you take the rest of your life under the influence of scandal? And y'all not laughing because some of y'all probably be watching it. Because sometimes we like juicy stuff. We like the tea, like young people say. Give me some of that tea. Oh, did you hear that? I wonder why they got, well, you know what they said on the YouTube, da-da-da-da. And God might be saying, but look at your own life. I, I have to be careful getting into the conversations Well, what do you think about this other minister? It's not about the other minister. You don't know their life. You don't know what they were dealing with. And there's some people, how many know people that come around and try to provoke you to say stuff? And this is how they say it. I'm going to tell you the spiritual way they say it. You know what? We need to really be in prayer for, you know, ain't prayed one day yet. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I just been seeing some stuff in the spirit. Will you pray? You going to pray. Have you prayed one day? No, I haven't prayed yet. I'm just saying we need to pray. No, 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 no. Go pray first then come back and we'll talk. Then if you don't hear it, listen, they'll go get somebody else. Hey, you know, um, we just need to really pray. I've been seeing some things. Well, that's good you seeing some things. Have you seen some things in your own life? No condemnation. People of God, that's what self-righteousness will do. It will cause you to look at everybody else, and they're the problem, and you're the only solution. And that hurts relationships. Because if you're always on the accusing end, man, that's like the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the rock thrower, the Bible also says. I don't want to live my whole life throwing rocks, basing my confidence on the righteousness that won't even get me into heaven because our righteousness doesn't get us into heaven. It's the righteousness of Christ. Can I get an amen? And this is what Jesus is kind of hitting on, and that was a good, that was a good introduction, but I want to read the story. And I'm going to close. This is my last point. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector, which basically means tax collectors, tax collectors were known to be some of the worst sinners in that day. And he says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Look at how he prayed. Because that's a good way to tell if you self-righteous by your prayer life. He says, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Now, that's a good way to start a prayer, ain't it? Not I thank you, God, for forgiveness of my own sins, but I thank you I'm not like everybody else. Oh, y'all not talking to me today. Listen, we shouldn't be really comparing ourselves with other people. We should be comparing ourselves with Christ. Are we lining up with Christ? Because if everybody look at Christ, we're all still falling short. But that's what self-righteousness does. It's always about what other people, am I doing better than other people? Am I, how am I comparing with other people? How am I competing with other people? Okay, I didn't do it. They cussed three times. I only cussed two times. I mean, it's, it's comparing self-righteous. Say self-righteous. Don't look at me like that when I talk about cussing because you know it'd be some people. I mean, why are we doing this? Let's get real. They listen to Tasha Cobbs one moment and cussing the next moment. Can I get an Amen. And just like you got a cussing issue, somebody else might have a lust issue, so don't feel condemned. Everybody, everybody got junk in their trunk. They got to get it worked on. Amen. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, 
Jesus said, if you even look upon a woman with lust, you've already done it. Come on now. Well, how dare he do it? Well, you've been thinking it the last three weeks. Self-righteousness. We got to get rid of it, man. This is what leads to pride. This is what messes people up because we start keeping score. And I'm winning now because I've done more. I've, I've done greater works than you. What have you done? No, 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 no. What, how do you line up with Jesus? That's the standard. But he said, I'm not. He says, I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly, I'm certainly, he, he put the certainly in there. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. And some of you, it's kind of hard to make it practical, but I think in a lot of, when you get in a lot of arguments, I think one of these, con- this conversation will come up of how I'm not like you. And it, and it may even be, yeah, I did some wrong, but I didn't do wrong like you. And it's not even that I don't admit I do wrong. I just don't do wrong like you. But tell me, tell me wrong is wrong. I mean, whether your breath stink a little bit or a whole lot, it still stink. Can I get an amen? Just like people, you talk to people, my breath never stinks. You better stop lying up in the... Then they get into, when I use the restroom, it don't smell. How dare you tell me that? That's kind of the attitude that sometimes we have, and I believe that starts a lot of, because we feel, if we feel self-righteous, and we feel like we're, we're, it brings pride, which leads to conflict, and then all of a sudden, we're just going back and forth, telling them, trying to one-up a person. Well, I did this, but you didn't do this. I took the kids out this time, and then you didn't take the kids out that time, and you didn't take out the trash, and you missed the bill, and da-da-da. Well, at least I never missed the bills. And we get to these places where we're comparing my sin to your sin. The devil is a liar. We need to get that joint forgiven. We need to get delivered from it and walk in the fullness of God. Can I get an amen? And I believe this, that people who are broken have, and I mean broken in a good way, like they're broken before God, have strong relationships. I believe it's difficult for any relationship to break up where humility is increasing more and more. Because everybody's humble. But pride will have you pointing your finger all day long. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, I made some bad calls in my marriage, but not like them. Yeah, I made some bad calls financially, but not like them. And it builds a sense of pride. Yeah, we were wicked in our generation, but we weren't like this generation. Say amen. Yeah, we used to oppress. We used to oppress some people in our race, but we didn't. We never oppressed people like they oppressed us. You're not talking real. Nobody's ever gonna do anything like us. I mean, I mean, you, you, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah, the race black people did some crazy, but they never did anything like the other race. Listen, we have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and you know what this type of attitude does? It builds pride up in us which causes us to walk in conflict. And I'll finish my scripture. Amen. Verse 12 says, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. I tithe. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh, God, be merciful. He said, be merciful. 
Be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, like that tax collector, will be exalted. Can I ask us a question? When is the last time in a conversation where the conversation got heated, whatever type of relationship it was, work relationship, family relationship, when is the last time that you have admitted when is the last time I have admitted I was wrong? I need mercy. Because the Bible says those who humble themselves will be exalted. Love is not proud. And when we operate in love, I believe it's going to cause us to be repentant. It's going to cause us to admit our stuff, our mess. It's going to say, you know what? I erred in that. I heard you wrong. But we're going to get it right. So love is not proud. What does that mean? I am teachable. That means I don't overwhelm people or overburden, overburden people. And then thirdly, that, that means that I come to a place where I'm not relying on my own righteousness. I'm relying on God's righteousness. And I believe when we do that, we're operating in real love. Can I get an amen? So, Father, even today, I pray that you are speaking to our hearts. All of us might have areas that we say, you know what, I'm self-righteous. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm just... I just depend on my own righteousness. I'm not depending on your righteousness through the cross. But Lord, I pray today that we are humbling ourselves and saying all over again, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. It's so easy for us to get prideful in our accomplishments and the good works we've, we've, we've accomplished. But Lord, I pray even today that we're just humbling ourselves and saying, if it had not been for you who was on our side, where would we be? And Lord, I pray that that will give us the ability to love people and be gentle with people and to strengthen our relationships rather than tear them down through pride because love is not proud. Lord, I pray even now for those that are watching that do not know you as their Lord, their ruler and savior, that even today they'll make that decision for you. And so if you're watching today or you're in this room, you say, I, I, I'm not following Christ. You, you really can't operate in this love that we're talking about in fullness until you make Jesus your ruler and master because we all need help in this area to walk in this thing in fullness. So if that's you today, you say, I need the help. I need the grace of God. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my, un my unrighteousness. Give me your spirit. Fill me up with your love. And I believe, Jesus, you died in my place. You were buried and rose again. And I pray that you'll help me to accomplish everything you called me to accomplish. And I pray my life will be changed for the rest of eternity because I have put my trust in your righteousness instead of my righteousness. I declare it is so and I am saved in Jesus name. Come on, everybody say amen. Come on, say amen. If you're glad that you're righteous in Christ, say amen. Amen. Come on, stand on your feet. We about to go. Amen. This time we're going to get ready. Listen, for all of you all who said, man, I got pricked a little bit. This is the real word for all of us, not just some of us, all of us to check. Amen. So I want to encourage you to look into your life and say, Lord, what is it that I need to change? Amen. Listen, we have a great opportunity right now to be able to give to the Lord. Um, this is first Sunday. For those of you that have your tithe that you would like to give to the Lord, I want to encourage you to do so. I was just hearing a testimony earlier today about somebody that got blessed. Amen. God is in the blessing business. Can I get an amen? I know some people crash the prosperity, wealth, and all that, but God is a good God. Amen. And he knows how to bless you. Amen. And I've just been hearing increased testimonies. And But 
wherever you are, I want to encourage you today just to ask the Lord what he would have you to give. And there's a couple ways you can give. Uh, number one, you can give by texting in your amounts at 336-203-0708. You can also go to trychristiancenter.org and click on online giving. And then lastly, you can mail in your offering amount to 4321 Barrel Road, High Point, North Carolina. So thank you in advance for those of you who are going to be supporting. God bless you. May he keep you. Join us again. On, join us on Tuesday night uh, for our 7 p.m. Bible practice. God bless you. May he keep you. Amen. Thank you for attending the Love University at Triad Christian Center with your host and professor, Pastor Joshua Lockett. We pray that today's message encouraged you to love God, love yourself, and love others. If you have accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, congratulations. You have made the best decision of your life and we want to celebrate and connect with you. Text follow Christ to 81411. Are you over social distancing? We have plenty of ways for you to connect and engage with our ministry online. Visit us on Twitter and Instagram at Triad Christian, Facebook Triad Christian Center, or on our website, triadchristiancenter.org for more information. We look forward to connecting with you. If you would like to give to our ministry, you may do so by texting 336-203-0708 with any amount. Or visit our website, triadchristiancenter.org slash online underscore giving. Lastly, you may send it by mail to 4321 Barrow Road, High Point, North Carolina, 27265 and make all checks payable to Triad Christian Center. Until next time, know that we love you, be blessed, and stay safe.